0: Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's Technical Director Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Dell Ballard. Del is the national tour rep for Storm Bowling. Dell also is a coach at University of North Texas Bowling. And right now we're catching up with Dell as he is taking a break from watching the Team USA Trials this week. Del, I want to thank you for joining us today.
1: Hello, how's it going, Tim?
0: It's going well, and, and Coach K is here as well. So, Del, we want to talk about the University of North Texas. A lot of people are not familiar with your program and what you're doing with them. But could you talk about how you guys are uh, working and what you're doing up at University of North Texas?
2: Well, the way I got started was a friend of mine that I already gave lessons to, worked with him and his buddy, uh, go to North Texas, and they said, hey, um, we don't have a coach. And would you be interested in being our coach and traveling to some of the tournaments with us? And I said, if, you know, my, my scheduling permitting, absolutely, I would love to go. So uh, I started kind of helping out with the team and holding a few practices here and there. And another friend of mine, Chad Newman, uh, I kind of use him as my assistant. So whenever I'm not in town, he kind of takes over, and and uh, we just kind of piece it all together. Now you had
1: one term. I know you were traveling to. Uh, I think it was to Wichita that you guys were yeah. uh, were competing in. Tell us just a little bit, Dell, about the players that you have on the team. You know, as far as skill level. Um, maybe success, how many tournaments this year, um, maybe some of their finishes, stuff like that.
2: Well, we have two players that are, that are pretty good, Lance Ragland and Robert Wyman. Uh, I kind of consider them definitely our best two players. And then there's another few players in that middle, middle group there, Dylan uh, Coggins, and then we have, oh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank, Travis um, Davenport. And we actually have a girl that has tried out for the team that travels with us every once in a while because we don't have a girls' team. We've only got seven people on our team, period. So we actually try to take all seven, just have one as a schoolkeeper and one as a sub, pretty much. But uh, we're just trying to piece it together. I'm not affiliated with the college yet. I would love to see them hire me as a full-time employee, coach, (laughs) NCAA, but we don't have the girls' team to uh, be able to, to... recruit players and that seems to be the issue the most that I have there University of North Texas being able to recruit players but uh, we've had a few good top five finishes and they try really hard but they're kind of a young a young team that suffers from the eyeball a lot of leagues and average 220 230 so why do I need to learn how to shoot spares syndrome Uh, yeah they uh, they shoot themselves in the foot pretty often. Wish they did the first year last year by missing spares. We missed 80 spares in 10 games at Wichita last year. Mm. And I didn't stutter. I said 80. 80. Eight, 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 80 in 10 games. So mm. they were averaging missing eight spares a game. So. Those looked at up. Look yeah. What's that? I said that, and unfortunately that adds up in the in the wrong direction. Oh, unless it's a high-scoring event where you can strike enough to make up for it, you're losing way too many pins to the field. And they all have plastic balls. They all know how to shoot spares. And when they practice, they shoot spares. But whenever they get in tournament competition, they allow themselves mentally to be affected by their ball not striking. And then they don't pay attention to their spares. I mean, I make them do push-ups when they miss spares in practice. I do. I make them do push-ups whenever they miss a spare. (laughs) And they don't say a word about it. They know they're supposed to make them, so they get down there and do do their push-ups when they miss a spare. And, I mean, I even made it one practice where the whole team has to do a push-up when someone misses a spare. So now they're not just costing themselves. They're costing the other players, too. And this year, it has turned into being able to spare better. And along with that, their finishes are better. Now I didn't get. To, I haven't been able to go to any of the tournaments this year except for Wichita. Wichita was the only tournament I've been able to travel to this year. But trying, I was hoping to come back to Vegas in December, but I had traveled so much to uh, Japan for the Japan Cup for Storm, and then I went to uh, Doha and Abu Dhabi for Team Hong Kong. So I didn't get to go to Vegas in December, and that kind of upset me because. I wanted to see how they were going to do it, and they didn't prepare so well. So maybe I could have helped them out if I'd have been here.
0: Well, and Dell, and you guys are you're practicing at AMF Richardson, which is where you mm-hmm. have one of your pro shops, and just talk yes. about how you're able to help the teams and put out different challenging patterns so that when they get to these tournaments, like they go to Wichita and like you know heading to other parts of the country, they're able to be prepared to know where to play on the lane.
2: Well, what's funny is, I get different patterns put out uh, there at Richardson, and they match the patterns pretty well there. But it seems to be that the topography of the bowling center allows you to play somewhere between 13 and 15 on all the patterns. Even on the shorter patterns, they can move in around between 2nd and 3rd O. And even though it's a synthetic house, the topography of the bowling center allows you to play there. So they can get really bad reads, and then when they go to the bowl these other tournaments and the topography is not the same they have a hard time matching up I can preach to them all I want to on where they're supposed to play but if they don't trust their ball reaction they just don't allow it to happen and that's that's one of the issues Is too, like I said they all average 220-230 in lead so they think they're great bowlers all the time <laughs> and you can preach till you're blue in the face you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink
0: well, Dell and I know well, the, you, and, you and Steve are both out at the uh, team trial, Team USA trials. Where yes. do you see that most people have problems playing? We got a lot of young folks out there. Is it is it playing the ditch? Is it playing you know the the t- the shot that Del Ballard used to love to play that people can't play outside of five? Play that twig? Uh,
2: that really isn't the issue. The, playing the gutter is not the issue. It's more of the, a lot of times, guys or no, I'm sorry, not guys, but bowlers when they want to move inside around third arrow, or between 15 and 22, they always want to throw their ball to 10. They always want to throw it to the tracer down the lane and expect their ball to hook seven or eight boards down the lane to get back to the pocket. Well, whenever you're running a 43-foot pattern with 28 mils, or you're running a 45-foot pattern with 25 mils, the angles don't allow you to get the ball to come around the corner that, that easy. So a lot of times they're looking for hook when they're not supposed to be. Instead of playing fallback, they will actually try to get the ball and have too much angle through the front. The ball won't read the lane properly. Yeah, that's a, that's a
1: good point, Bill. The, uh, that, that was one of the things we were working on then. We were talking down there about the importance of the player's launch angle, right? As far as the the launch angle things, patterns and tournament patterns.
2: Correct. And, and it's all about, I mean, bowling has been, simply put, about shapes and angles. You get your angles correct with the right ball shape, you'll create room. But when you when you want your ball to do a certain thing, because that's what you like to see, that doesn't mean that's what the lane and the pattern wants to see. And that's very, very hard for people to bowl. It's mentally hard, mentally challenging. If you want to see your ball do a certain thing, and if the lane doesn't want to do that, guess what? You're going to suffer. That's one of the beauty of these patterns, I think, is that there
1: are... You know, they bowled uh, one day on a pattern that was 34 feet length, and you saw a lot yeah. of players, you know, having to play either the outside or at least keep their break point towards, you know, 2-3 or so, or maybe the 4-4. Yes, quarters. exactly. You know, three, four, pull five your angle the through the front, but get it kind of to the same break point, And then come, back, come right back with a pattern that's 45 feet, and you got to keep it, you know, much tighter to the to the pocket.
2: And I think that's where some of the players struggle here, because the first day it was 38 feet, you know, an easy, manageable pattern. And, and when I say easy, I shouldn't say that, but you're going to have a little bit of friction because it's only 38 feet but yet. You've got plenty of oil in the front. So your ball skids through the front and you could kind of go straight at the beginning, but then at the end, it, it required you to go like 13, 14, 15 and throw it hard to the right because they broke down so fast. Well, then they come back in the next day and it's a long pattern. And guess what happened? They couldn't get their line straight enough. Their angles, their body angles, were just so open. And then, but all the people who threw it straight naturally had a distinct advantage because they didn't have to change their angles. But the but the people who could actually hook it had a hard time going straight on the second day, just for that fact.
0: So, Dell, what advice do you have for young players interested in competing at the collegiate level?
2: <laughs> Become versatile and 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 the one major thing that I have seen and there's a couple definitions of versatility in my book become versatile And the very first way is to be able to change your ball speeds. There's too many times that I've seen young players focusing on throwing it one way in one speed and that it's very hard to change after you just practice throwing it one way in one speed. Now you got to change your launch angles now you got to change your ball speed. And people just don't repeat when they do that. And that is the, that's is the—that's why I say versatility. You know, going 13 to 5 is fine, but can you do that at 18 miles an hour? And can you do that at 16 miles an hour? And do it consistently. That's what Chris Barnes can do. That's what Mike Fagan can do. That's what Tommy Jones can do. That's what the best players in the world can do. Is they can change their launch angles and their ball speed. That's how you become versatile. Not going at the same speed and the same axis rotation, and the same angles, and just changing balls, because everybody's always looking for the magic ball. I just don't. I don't believe in that.
1: Hey, along those same lines, Del. We uh, we actually we were talking a little bit about what an interesting fact it is, is, A lot of players do try and you know slow down the ball a little bit, but what happens if you don't slow your speed the proper way is you actually have a tendency to. Decelerate at the release point, and then you're correct. Rev rate
2: drops, and then subsequently correct. your ball doesn't hook enough. Correct. And you've got there. I mean, you've got to find a way, and that's why I say you've got to practice being able to change your ball speeds and find the curve. You know, there's a couple ways that you know I try to teach slowing down ball speeds. You know, speed up a foot on the approach. Well, I'm going to foul. Well, why are you going to foul? Well, I take my steps a certain step distance. Well, why do you do that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You you have a certain amount of room. You can shorten your steps a little bit to where you can start the ball just a little bit earlier because your feet are going to go a little quicker with shorter steps, but you're not getting the momentum that you did with the bigger steps. So your momentum allows you to throw it slower, not your arm speed. And,
1: and I'm imagining, Dell that over the, the course of time, I mean, you won, what, 13 national titles in, uh and four major championships. I mean, you won these titles. You were not playing the lanes probably identically in, in any of those
2: titles. None of them, actually. To be honest with you, I don't remember. Speed and rev rate. Yeah. Yes, changing angles to the front and ball speed. Yep, yes. the and ball speed. yep. Yes. absolutely. But so what, the, I grew, so what? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I grew up with two bowling balls. <laughs> okay, um, today's mm-hmm. kids. Today's kids have. 12, 15 balls that they take with them to turn. The, the, the Bellmen were busy balls. at the hotel bringing their, bringing their oh, bags stupid. up to the paddock. Oh, right? <laughs> because everybody's looking for a magic. Obviously, today's game's different than it was back then. But back then, you had to learn how to turn one ball into three different balls. You had to be able to go at the back of it. You had to be able to get on the side of it a little bit. You had to be able to throw it harder. You had to be able to throw it slower to turn that one ball into three or four different reactions. Now, everybody just changes balls and tries to throw it one way. It's a different different environment. That's what I wish everybody would learn how to do.
0: Can you talk about how you try to teach and pass along the knowledge that you've gained from your years at Storm, from your years back out on tour, how you try to bring that to these uh, collegiate players?
2: I try. As weird as this sounds, everybody I think is convinced that you have to make it more complicated than it is. I think it makes them feel smart if they can make it more complicated than it is. Bowling is a simple game. It's about shapes and angles. And it's about ball speeds. And you can craft whatever, I mean, like Rick Benoit will say, we're artists. And your bowling ball is your, is your is your pin. It's how you want to shape your pin. And you have to be creative. You can't just stand there and throw the ball the same all the time and expect a different outcome. Okay, I'm gonna change balls because I don't like my outcome. Sometimes you have to change yourself. But everybody watches bowling on TV, and they think Tommy Jones is always throwing it one way. They think Belmo's only throwing it one way. Belmo changes his angles all the time. B. Weber changes his angles all the time. But when you watch people bowl on YouTube and all that, you know the screen size isn't the same, so you can't really tell exactly what angle they have. Or what kind of red rate they're using? What kind of ball speed they're using? This is what you have to pay. That I try to pay attention to on tour, and that's what I take to teach my kids. That you can't just stand there and look at a target, hit a target once. You have to be able to hit it from three different angles and three different ball speeds. That way, you can hey, come versatile. Yeah,
1: no, good. Good. Good point there, Dell. Hey, last question I've got for you before we head out. Uh, what uh, What is your outlook on you know being here at the team trials? What is your outlook on the future? Uh, of our sport in terms of the talent levels for the young um, young men and women that are, that are bowling there, boys and girls that are bowling there in the tournament? Well, I'm
2: going to tell you, I think the outlook for our sport is great. The one thing I absolutely love about being here at, at Team USA Trials with so many youth bowlers here is the fact that they're not intimidated by a, bad patter- a flat pattern. Where if you were to take your average league bowler, you know, you, your guys that think they average 230 on everything, they're intimidated by bowling on tougher patterns. These kids don't want to bowl on league patterns. They want to bowl on the tough patterns because they respect the sport. And that gives me a breath of fresh air every time I come watch any type, anybody from the age of 23 and below because they're not intimidated by the tough patterns. They want to bowl on the tough patterns. And I just think it's great to me it's a breath of fresh air because they'll listen to help they'll listen to you they'll listen to your recommendations whether or not they can do what you ask them to do might be a little bit different but i just love the fact that they want to soak up information and they want to be better on the tougher patterns
0: very insightful stuff Dell. want to thank you for joining us today And uh, all the best of luck down there at University of North Texas. And uh, myself and uh, Coach K. Steve, we'll have to have you back on again soon, okay?
2: Sounds great to me, Steve. Thank you.